Hi, this is Jessica Cameron, and I'm on WithoutYourHead.com. Station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal. I'm Treacherous Trista. And we're joined by Lisa Ovies, co-writer and director of Puppet Killer. It's very cool to have you here. Thank you. It's so great to be here. Yeah, a long time in the making. <laughs> That's the understatement of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But for the movie and the interview. Yeah, both for sure. Yeah. Uh, first of all, uh, on those lines, uh, you know it's been a long time. It's a, uh, you know, to festivals and now it's, has a, a theatrical release tomorrow. That's going to be exciting. And yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because most of us that made the film are Canadian and it's a U.S. theatrical and with COVID we're not able to go, but we're <laughs> grateful to get it. We're a smaller indie horror. So getting anything theatrical is really cool. So hopefully we'll get Canadian theatrical as well. Yeah. But yeah. That's very cool. Did, had you had a chance to see it with an audience uh, previously before COVID? Yes, thankfully, we got about four months on the festival circuit before we got shut down. And it was, I always get nervous. It doesn't matter how well a film does, doesn't matter how many awards we win. Every time I go in, I'm like, that's it. This is the audience that's going to hate it. And uh, it was just so much fun to watch and have people laugh and yeah, loved it. Yeah, well, we'll go over the movie, but uh, I would assume it would play really well at a festival because it's a movie. Well, I think anyone can watch it, but if you're if you're really into horror movies and you pick up a lot of the little uh, things in it, uh, it's really made for that audience. For sure. Yes. Yes. I think having a couple beverages doesn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't drink anymore, but I still enjoyed the movie. So. I, I don't drink, but I still enjoy watching people watch it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I guess for people who aren't aware yet, although I think that the name and the trailer and the poster kind of give you an idea, but could you give people an idea of what Puppet Killer is? Sure. Uh, it's a, it's basically, it's a love letter to 1980s horror, but it's, it's about a killer obsessed with 1980s horror films. And uh, every time he kills, he kills an homage to another iconic character. Yes. And uh, our uh, reviewer, Ashley was watching this uh, earlier and uh, she was texting me during it and she was a big fan of all the kills. Actually a big fan of the whole movie, but the kills were very uh, fun for her. Every time a new one would pop up, she would message me and I won't, I won't spoil the movie, but she would, you know, give me the details and I'd seen it, but it was, it was very fun. Awesome. Yeah. It was a very self-serving move on my part. I, I just pretty much every film that I love, I mean, you can't get them all in there, but definitely. And Kevin Mosley, my writer is just the same as me. He's so in love with it. So we had a blast. Uh, Had you worked with Kevin before? I had. Uh, so previously I was a casting director on a feature called Suspension. I was ended up being one of the actors in it as well, which always sounds weird, but the director made me that offer. So I'll take it. Uh, and Kevin wrote it. So he'd wrote several uh, films before. And then he heard me pitching this film to an actor, actually. And he was like, what? <laughs> uh, and we're better off for him without question. Yeah. Uh, who designed Simon? A gentleman named Jack Fox. Uh, I don't know if you, uh, I mean, we've been talking about this film forever, so I don't ever want to repeat myself, but uh, the sort of where it came from is I was producing another film called Bedbugs, a musical love story, which That's is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, and a gentleman uh, was on set and he was the puppet wrangler. And I actually thought he had made the puppets. I misunderstood. So I reached out to him and I was like, hey, can you make me this puppet? And he was like, yeah, no problem. And then later I found out he'd never made puppets before, I don't think. <laughs> But he did such a great job and it took us almost a year to kind of go to figure out what he looked like. He looked really evil at one point. Um, he had a trench coat and like nails for, for teeth. And then we, Jack sent me a test video of Simon and I was like, that's it. That's him right there. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it would be a different movie, but for me, I think it works best with a, with a very cute doll. hundred percent. I, yeah. I, I, now you go, what were we ever thinking? But you know, at the time the script wasn't finalized and, and the evolution was just as it was meant to be, I think. Do yeah. you still have Simon? He's like right there on my couch. Oh, I see him. Very cute. <laughs> I think very he's wearing his... I see Chucky <laughs> behind you. And... Oh, there you go. I was going to say, he's wearing his little stripper outfit right now, too. I found him a little stripper outfit. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he's... Uh, I'm going to end up putting him in uh, a shadow box or, or or something to keep him safe, but I'm having a hard time. He's been my bestie for five years, so it feels gross to put him in a box. But I think I might get the Annabelle case, like yeah. design the Annabelle case and then put him in it with a little rocking chair or something. That seems fitting for Simon. I agree. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I like the one tooth too, but it reminds me of, I had a dog, a dog Aldo and he had one snaggle tooth and it reminded me of something. Well, Simon reminded me of Aldo. I'm pretty sure that was Jack. If I, th I mean, it was so long ago, but I'll give Jack credit because he's amazing. <laughs> and uh, the voice of Simon, uh, I'm at the name here. I'm sorry. I forget the uh, Lee. He, he does a great job. Yeah, so Lee plays Curtis in the film, 
And Lee was the reader when I was casting suspension. And so we were in each other's lives every day. And when I came up with the idea of puppet killer, he's the first person I called. And I was ready for him to tell me I was crazy, but Lee loves horror and he was super excited. And his girlfriend, without giving any spoilers, actually wrote the song in the bathtub. And so, yeah, and almost immediately he started finding his voice and he was a big part of the creation of Simon. Nice. Nice. Uh, along with you said, you know, first you had a creepy looking Simon and then you, you ended up with what's how about the voice? Did it go through evolution? Uh, I don't. It's so funny because Jack is calling me right now and I just oh, got okay. distracted and it says puppet daddy in my phone. Um, <laughs> uh, I think Lee's voice was pretty close to spot on from the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, for people who weren't aware of the movie and if they would see Puppet Daddy calling you, the, who knows what they might <laughs> Right? <Yeah. laughs> uh, Tristan, do you have a question? I'm always interested in what scares horror creators. So do you have any fears or phobias you feel comfortable sharing? It's going to be weird if it's puppets. Right? No, probably man, like as, as humanity. Um, and I know that's a really on the nose thing, but it's true. I just read an amazing script and I don't want to give anything away because the writer's phenomenal. But one of the things he said might scare me is gaslighting in it. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. It's those things. It's the ability of humankind to be so evil. That's the thing that really scares me. Uh, Not to be like a tough guy, but I've watched horror movies since a little kid. So I wasn't, uh, never like scared or anything, but, uh, Creepy toys and stuff had always uh, got to me. I think it's because I always had a lot of action figures. So uh, is there anything like that with you? And not even scared, but that you were into like, you know, uh, movies with with creepy dolls or toys? Uh, Well, clowns. Clowns still scare me. I mean, it was one of the films that started everything for me. The old school one, the the two part uh, one on television. And it didn't scare me at all. Um, But. I'm scared of clowns. Like if you put me in a haunt, I love haunts and there's a room with clowns. I'm like, Oh, hell no. Like I will sacrifice a child in front of me. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Clowns, clowns get me pretty good. Yeah. Uh, By the way, the opening reminded me of, uh, cause I watch horror movies with my mom as a kid and I grew up totally fine, obviously, but uh, the the opening was great. Uh, Maybe not quite that young. I don't know. I don't have a, well, I probably wouldn't have a memory of watching as a baby, but uh since i was a little kid i watched him with my mom well and 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 that was kevin my writer so you know there was a lot of that sort of self-expression for him too is people always say that you know if you watch a bunch of horror you're gonna end up being a fucking serial killer uh <laughs> and i think for most people it's more cathartic than anything else so yeah uh and it, it is weird though a lot of people do assume if you're into horror movies like uh, there's something wrong with you Oh yeah. Try dating. I meet a person and they're like, what do you do? And I'm like, this isn't going to go well. I kill people for a living. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. People think, yeah, definitely read into it a little bit more than required. I think. Yeah. Uh, How about the, the effects in the movie? You talked to who did the, Oh, the guy who made the puppet. Did he also do the puppeteering? He didn't. Uh, Asia Matu uh, did the puppeteer. This film is such a beautiful accident of success. And, and I say that in that we shouldn't have been able to pull off anything we did. Uh, I also own an acting school and I've been teaching improv for, I want to say, 10 years now. And one of my students is Asia Matu. She never puppeteered in her life, but she was tiny and bendy. And that's it. <laughs> that was the requirements. I was like, man, you could probably fit behind something really 
really easily. <laughs> and and she destroyed it. She does such an amazing job. She brought so much personality to it. And we got uh, a woman named Maureen Bernstein, who was a puppeteer on Team America, who actually was oh, our nice. puppet consultant. We couldn't afford her for set, but she did help us. Oh, we learned so much in just a short amount of time from her. Um, and so that's how all of those came to life. So I have to give Asia so much credit. Uh, the practical effects were a beautiful human named Ryan Nicholson, who I'll get a little sad because he has since passed. Um, but him and his wife, Megan, uh, were just so much the blood and guts and, and the heart of this film too. And it was really important to me to have them practical. So not just have the kills practical, the blood practicals, all of those things, but the puppeteering. Uh, and because none of us had done that before, uh, it was a lot of like, how are we going to do this? And I was like, I don't fucking know. It's a puppet. We're going <laughs> to figure it out. Uh, so really good, a good buy-in from everyone. And, and, and very few people really challenged that. A few people did because it was a bit hard that I was asking that. But yeah, Ryan, Ryan and Asia were just like right there with the actors being like, yeah, we're going to pull this off. We're not going to need to blue screen it. Uh, and, and that's how it all happened. I had that in my notes because um, I've seen other movies where it is like a CG, uh, you know, the the puppet or or whatever it is, the toy is moving around and it really takes you out of the movie. Uh, it does. And it's also a love letter to 80s horror. And so even if it didn't end up looking as good as it did, because I didn't expect it to, I felt that was still ringing more true to the 80s, early 90s, where we did have these films or yeah. films and healing. Yeah, I always feel even badly done practical effects has a charm to it. And usually bad CG just looks bad. Exactly. Exactly. You know what? Yeah, that was so simple, but so accurate. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, A lot of people in the chat are saying hello. Wig Wolf says hello and says the the new poster is badass. Uh, Rod Cripp says hello. Anthony behind the scenes says great show. Nice to see you on, uh, on Without Your Head, Lisa. And Shane Thompson has a question. He says, what are some of the movies that sparked your love of practical effects? Uh, okay. Hmm. All of them. No, uh, if Dead Alive, but it wasn't the first. Dead Alive just like sealed it all in. It was Army of Darkness and it was Sam Raimi. And I watched those that trilogy backwards. So okay. I watched Army of Darkness and then Evil Dead 2 and Evil Dead 1. And by the time I got to the first, I was like, I am so into whatever these people are doing. <laughs> um, and yeah, so that's the very short answer to that. As a big D&D kid, uh, so going to see Army of Darkness in the theater was an amazing experience. I did it. Later, uh, they re-released it in the theater in a 35 million print. And I was so happy. I still have the little movie stuff. <laughs> it was like easy 20 plus years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tris, do you have another question? Yeah, I'm a big fan of this film, as I mentioned before we went live. And so I'm wondering, um, do you have any other upcoming projects you can talk about? Ah. <sighs> Yes, but I'm not sure what I'm allowed to say. Uh, I directed in quarantine, which was incredibly challenging. I directed a segment of a horror anthology called Witches Midnight. uh, And that is doing the festival circuit right now. We just had our world premiere at Panic Fest. We just, oh, time is like a mush right now. It was months ago. Um, And that was kind of really beautiful for me because we had this huge um, festival circuit plan for Puppet Killer and obviously COVID 
shit on that. Uh, and Panic Fest was the last film festival I played live and or really even played because our distributor pulled it. And so having our world premiere for Witches Midnight was pretty badass. But that was all remotely directed. My actors were in L.A., Toronto and Vancouver. And if anyone's seen it, what my actors are doing is so unbelievable. They're videotaping themselves and it, they're not having a conversation with themselves they're, or with each other. They're literally recording their own faces. And I give them so much credit for that. Uh, and then I've got some really amazing projects that I'm attached to a couple features that I'm very excited about with some awesome humans, but I don't think I'm allowed to talk about them yet. The future, future, uh, We'll be back. Yeah. yeah, all all horror, all practical effects, all strong female leads. There's there's definitely you know a Hispanic feel to everything I do. There's some must haves that I that I try and pull in as much as possible. So that's about all I can say. But I'm really excited. Yeah, uh, you know you keep talking about uh, love letter love letter to the '80s and practical effects, and you talk Simon's cute, and but the kills are also really gory. And they're very, which makes them fun to me. And uh, I, I assume that was, you know, you're going in, we're going to not shy away from showing the kills. We're going to really show yeah. them. And then how was that to pull off the effects? Uh, was that something you'd had any experience in before? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. Not uh, for me, it was more 20 years of reading all of the books of Tarantino and Rodriguez and Sam Raimi and, and just being fascinated by all the behind the scenes. And, and, and so I didn't have like a practical application uh, experience, but I really had done as much research as I possibly could. And for me, and I get it and I do not judge any film that's had to do this. Um, but usually when you leave the camera for the kill, it's because of a budget. You know, there's some amazing moments like Tarantino's ear where you don't even know you didn't see it. You're so convinced you saw it. And so there's there's a powerful way to do it. Uh, and and but most of the time in horror, for me, I feel cheated in the audience. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, no, we're, we got here. Why did we stop here? And so because this was a film that I had so much control over, good or bad, I was like, if I you know, I wanted this to be my film that failed. If it failed, I wanted it to fail on my hard choices. And thankfully it didn't. Uh, and that was a big one for me. I wanted to kill everyone on screen with practical effects with a puppet. <laughs> and I think that's a good it. goal to have. Yeah. yeah. For your first big feature. Yeah. And then do it in the woods in winter in snow. You know, let's not make it difficult at all, Lisa. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's another thing. Uh, was everyone Canadian in the movie? So I was just wondering if they were all used to that weather. Uh, everyone was Canadian. That was part of how we were so lucky to get such big actors on such a, I'm going to say pitiful budget. Um, uh, our union, uh, UBCP, UBCP, Union of British Columbia Performers, has a really great a low budget offer where you can work with them. You can still get great actors. You still get all your insurance and all of those things. Like we weren't super low budget, but we weren't amazing. Um, but one of the rules is then that you only hire Canadian actors, which I think is fantastic. It really sort of protects our cast here. Uh, so everybody was Canadian. Kyle Cassie flew in from L.A., uh, but other, and, but he's from Vancouver originally. Uh, how about Alex uh, as the as Jamie as the lead? Uh, I think he's perfect in it. Uh, how did he get involved? 
Isn't he so perfect? Yeah. Uh, before the film came out, I had so many people tell me, like, you're crazy. That was the biggest mistake you ever made. And if you haven't seen the film, that's not about his acting. That's just my casting choices. Uh, but uh, I never doubted his ability. He's brilliant. I directed a short called I Want to Date You, which was a comedy uh, about dating, obviously, hence the name. And he ended up coming in for a day of reshoots and playing opposite me in a scene. And his comedic timing his delivery it was it just wasn't what I expected I didn't know him prior to that so what you see of him is usually this big hulky beast of a villain right he's six five and he's always playing mean and he played something different in this film and all of a sudden I was like that's it you're my Jamie and and it to his credit, it didn't take him long to jump on board. I was ready for a fight, but he kind of was like, okay, I'm going to trust you on it. You probably uh, wanted to play, you know, some different, you know, yeah. a different well, uh, challenge. And he didn't him. just play it. Like he, he, he did such a great job and I know it's hard to tell, but just as a director, I just want to give him so much credit. He held his shoulders differently. He held his eyebrows differently. So he was consciously softening his eyebrows in every take. And every once in a while, because physically they're different, I would be like eyebrows. And he would be like, yeah, okay. But 90% of the time he was so already, I mean, those were his choices. He brought so much softness to this character and he's so unbelievably talented. And I know I was lucky to have him, but it felt really cool to give him a vehicle to show something more than what he typically gets cast doing mm -hmm. because he's so phenomenally talented. Yeah. It's interesting because I, I knew I'd seen him before. And so I, when I was looking him up on IMDb and he played all, all the roles like you're talking about. And it, it made me think, well, he's really playing a different character here. And like you said, he brings a lot of, cause he is physically a big imposing guy, but he's playing it very gentle and soft. And uh, I think he nailed it. It was very fun. I do too. I'm yeah. I'm really proud of him. Yeah. I also just like the whole cast in general that they're all, they're not, I'm not saying they're old people, but they're, they're playing much older than, than, than high schoolers. And uh, th yeah. that is very funny to me. Well, to me, if we did it any less, it would have been too on the nose. And one of the, the reasons I think the comedy works in this film, and the, one of the things that I brought, I think, as a director, is my history in comedy. And that was that we played the drama. If we'd ever winked to the camera or broke the fourth wall, we would have gone from scream to scary movie. And there's nothing wrong with scary movie, but that's not what I wanted to make. And so the casting, uh, it, it couldn't land in a gray area. And I mean, my leads are named Jamie, Lee, and Curtis. So obviously this <laughs> I should even letter. pick up on that, but yeah. Oh, I'm so proud of it. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis and Halloween looked like pretty late 20s or early 30s. And so that wasn't going to work. So that's why we chose to go. Yeah. Like, I like that the dad looks like he could just be his brother. Like one of the group. Yeah. Honestly, the scene outside the high school where they're having their intimate moment, like I've watched that too many times and it still makes me happy. It's so adorable. I love it. And and love Jeff Gustafson, who plays his father, but he's on Apple boxes and there is still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't want to give Ashley's review away, but it's funny because she had, one of the things she did text me was that she thought it did a really good job of not becoming stupid where she said, you know, the kills are cool and. Uh, exactly what you said. It, it it doesn't cross over into parody. And that's a really hard line. And I want to give credit to anyone who tries to make, I hate even the term horror comedy. I didn't before. I love horror comedies, you know, Shaun of the Dead and, and whatnot when they're done well are just some of my favorite movies, but it's so hard to execute. And because of that, you know, distributors and sales agents and a lot of people are scared to touch them. And so uh, we always knew we had a 
pretty high chance of failing. Again, why I was kind of like, I'm going to fall on the sword here and, you know, I'm going to go really strong on my choices. And if, and if we fail, I'll take that. Uh, not expecting, I never expected it to do. Yeah. But it it's something that we bring that up on the show a lot, horror comedy. And we did a whole uh, show about horror comedy. And I always think that um, it has to work as a horror movie too. Like the, you know, either the yes. gore or the, the like you said, Shaun of the Dead, the zombies really work in the movie. Uh, so you can just watch it as a horror movie or whatever. And, well, and otherwise it, it usually doesn't work. There's always there, exceptions. Their stakes are real. Their responses are real. They're behaving as humans in comical circumstances that happen to be terrifying. Um, and, and that I think is, you know, Simon and assesses that I think they just understand those layers. If you force it or wink it, you just lose the the tension and then you lose the horror. So you said you have a background in comedy. Were you also always a horror fan? Well, my mom, I, I, no, uh, I, I don't remember. Sorry. I'm saying the interview's over. Yeah, right? Uh, well, I, I was, I don't think I was allowed to watch horror when I was a okay. kid. I think my brother's watching this live, which cracks me up, which is why I was like, well, really catch what you're saying here. Um, <laughs> it was, it was the, the very first time I saw it. I was, I was obsessed with film and I, and I done extra work on a few films and I'd met a girl who had done extra work on it. And then all of a sudden I realized that it was shot in Vancouver. And then all of a sudden I realized things were like made. I don't know how to explain it, but I was 13 and I just looked at film differently from that second on. And then I was obsessed with what the locations were and how it was made. And so that very quickly got me into film. And I think that was the catalyst for me to love horror so I kind of went into it very differently than I think a lot of people I might have enjoyed it as a child I wasn't given the opportunity um we were like the poor people that didn't just not have cable we didn't own a VHS player so we would rent one on the weekends when we would rent the video (laughs) so my mother was very much in charge of the content that I uh, I I took in yeah what were the films that made you like uh this is something I'd like to do I would like to uh you know make these the one that stands out more than anything else, I've always wanted to make film. I don't know where that came from. I've asked my mom about it and she says it was kind of like always in me in some capacity. But the one where I remember the real light bulb moment, there's two, Alien, without question. And that was more from a behind the camera's perspective. It was the, re- the first time I really understood that the camera was an actor. The camera could evoke emotion. The camera could change the way you felt, the atmosphere and the stillness. And there was so much from it. It just blew my mind. Like it just blew my mind. And then the story and the strong female lead and all of the other things about it were just fucking unbelievable. Um, But then I also remember a very different time that doesn't land with anything I've done, but it was after watching Pay It Forward in the theater and like snotty crying because I didn't think it was going to end the way it did. And like leaving, wanting to change the world, make it a better place. Uh, that was another moment where I was like, I want to make film to serve a better purpose and, and to, to create change, uh, which I don't know if Puppet Killer does. <laughs> <laughs> we got time. <laughs> yeah, it's a good start, I say. Yeah, yeah. I was also happy that there's a Treevenge uh, reference because I'm a big fan of Treevenge. It's on YouTube if anyone's never seen it. I'm a big fan of, of um, Christmas horror movies in general, but Treevenge. Yes, is yes. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Christmas horror movies. And 
it's such a tiny little subgenre, and it's const it's often mocked or or all of the things. And so, yeah, for sure, it was going to be that or a Die Hard or a Gremlins or you know, there's just some really good ones. Yeah. And I'm I'm not allowed to talk about things, but something that I'm attached <laughs> to maybe do uh, is another Christmas horror movie. Oh, nice! Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> Much like um, practical effects, I think even. The, the bad Christmas horror movies I still enjoy, like uh, Elves is not a good movie, but I enjoy it quite a bit. Well, and to, to each their own, you know, there's yeah, oh, people yeah, yeah. who want to take in a, a month and a half of Hallmark Christmas movies. Great. You create a lot of jobs for people. There's also people that don't. So the fact that we get our Christmas movies, I think is great. Although I'll watch them all year round, too, I'll be honest. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you consider uh, Puppet Killer Christmas horror? 100%. 100%. Actually, there's a new book out about Christmas horror called really? Deadly Night, I think. I don't want to say that wrong. Uh, and they actually are featuring Puppet Killer in it. Oh, I'm that's so awesome. excited. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a favorite uh, Christmas horror film? Gremlins. Yeah, that's hard to be. Yeah. I mean, I can't. I can't. Oh. I love it. I love to hate it. Like, I don't hate it, but there's moments where you're like, why are you making them drinks? Just leave the bar. And yet <laughs> I still love so much about, yeah, I love Gremlins. Yeah. And then that's I know the it's movie we talk about comedy horror. It totally works as a horror movie. In fact, it's probably too scary for little kids, even though, you know, kids can go see it. And, well, but it's very funny. When they chuck the woman out the window, like they're not pulling back. Yeah, no, I can imagine that scarring some children, but it yeah. and scaring them. But yeah, yeah, no, no question. It's my dog's name is Gizmo for how. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Christmas right before the pandemic, I went to see uh, Gremlins. Well, it was earlier in December, but um, they showed it 35 millimeter at a theater oh. in Boston. You know, that and E.T. was a double feature. And uh, there was tons of kids there. And I, I was familiar with Gremlins. I hadn't seen it for a while. But watching, I was like, wow, this is way uh, scarier and gorier than I remembered. And I was like, man, there are a, little, a lot of little kids here. But whatever. Uh, I would love to see it. But, you know, I got to tell you, E.T. scarred me as a kid. It's like, a very emotional movie. No, I watched it once. I've never seen it since. And I screamed at my mother at a... You know, like when your family, when you're a kid, that the adults get together, so they shove all the kids that maybe don't know each other in a room, and they put on a movie. It was E.T., and I yelled at her for making me watch it. I was I was sobbing. I was so wounded by that film. So I think that might have wounded me more than ever seeing Gremlins as a child. <laughs> it is a very, it's a very emotional movie with yeah. E.T. dying. Yeah. At, well, he does. He, not to spoil. I don't spoil the movie. But yeah. I'm still not really damaged. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to laugh at your damage. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's so. that or the never ending story. Those two. Oh, are like, that's they, the worst. That's one of the worst scenes ever with the horror. Me. They haunt me. Like I can't, I can't. Nope. Yeah. Bridge to Terabithia is very uh, depressing too. If you've mm. never seen it, I would not recommend it. I haven't, but I'm good. I've got those two that, that still wound me and break my soul. And that's enough. Yeah, that and what's the, there's also the one with the kid who gets stung to death with the bees. My girl, it's like these. Oh are, yeah, that one. That one didn't get me in the same way. Evidently, it's an animal puppet thing true. for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that one. That one was. That one was sad. Thomas J. Mm -hmm. uh, Tristy, have another question. Yeah, what are the best and worst parts of filmmaking for you? <laughs> That's a loaded question. Uh, 
uh, how long do we have for the <laughs> worst? Uh, <laughs> no, um, I think I think probably just if I'm going to be really honest and real, that there's a lot of shitty people out there, and there's a but I mean maybe that exists in all areas of life, and I only know film. But for me, my personal experience was how much people were dishonest or how much people tried to take. Um, with this film specifically, even, I just had so many negative experiences and I was coming from a place of like, don't we all just want to make film? Um, but I think that something can be learned from that. I think you can be empowered by it. You can move forward and do better next time. You can share your experiences and hope other people don't go through them. Um, I think it's more daunting than people think. And so you've got to have a real thick skin. Um, I think it's interesting when you put something out publicly and that somehow invites people to tell you that tell you like what they think of you as a human. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're, we're humans. It's not great. So there's some really interesting things about it. And the more successful your films get, the more public you become and whether or not that was your choice, but the beautiful things are creating that you get to make art that you get to live your passion that you get to work with other people that love doing it. Um, my film family is like, you know, we consistently work together. We, um, we are inspired by each other. We love each other. We hold each other up when we succeed. Um, and the sense of accomplishment when you tackle something, it's like going up past base camp one on Everest, but being, you know, blindfolded and having someone pelt rocks at you the whole time. Like that's what getting a film out is like. And yet somehow you're like, that was awesome. Let's do it again. <laughs> um, so that was a weird answer, but that was my truth. I think there's a lot of hard things about film, but if you can be truthful to filmmakers that haven't gone there yet and let them know it's not about them, it kind of happens to everyone uh, to try not to take it personally and to try and keep your head up and then keep going. Um, there's a lot of cool reward for sure. Um, along those lines, you said a lot of negativity came uh, making the movie. Uh, and then you said, you know, let's do it again. Was there a time, though, you were like, I don't want to uh, work in movies anymore? 100%. 100%. 100%. I still say it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And people keep asking me about Puppet Killer 2. And I'm like, no. <laughs> like, I just want to leave this fucking movie for a minute. <laughs> I love it. But it took us five years to release this film. And that wasn't like, oh, we tied a bow and we finished it and we waited. We were working on it the whole time. Um, and, you know, we would run out of money and then things would happen and this, that, and the other. And so, yes, yes. But then, but then I create or I get excited about a film or I watch a movie I love or I read an interview or I'll watch like the Mandalorian behind behind the scenes and shoot on the gallery, you know, or on the, on the volume. And it's like, no, I, I, I definitely have said that, but I can't see me ever stopping. Um, along those lines, you said you, you maybe see a movie you love. Uh, we've been doing decade of decapitation on the show for the best movies of the last 10 years. Uh, do you have any that stands out? For decapitation? Well, not we just called that because it's without oh. your head. But for the 2011 to 2020. Uh, just like a great death in yeah, general? Any kind, of, any kind of horror movie. Just your favorite horror movie. Well, I just called it the decade of decapitation because it okay. fit without I, I was I was going to get real specific and get All in right. there. Well, if you have a decapitation, that would be good. But, um, I guess I hereditary think, part. I, right. I mean, I think everyone goes to Hereditary first, but I, I, I don't remember what year it was because I didn't get to see movies for a little bit of chunk in the theater. And I think part of the theater experience is what gets me. Um, but I really enjoyed uh, Don't Breathe. 
Uh, no, yes, that was great. Yeah. I'm sorry, A Quiet Place. That's what I was thinking. Oh, yeah, Quiet Place. Um, that is great in the theater, too, because the whole crowd were, was in on the silence. And if anyone made a little noise, it really, like, interrupted. And the that's, whole- I think it just, like, took the horror experience and the entire thing to, like, a new level we hadn't seen before. And I think that, I mean, obviously, it was pre- the COVID. So I'm wrong on that. But then I just went and saw a quiet place too. It was the first movie I saw back. Uh, And again, the same, I think it was like the sound design and all of those things, but we went throwback for COVID. Like we watched all the old horrors uh, consistently throughout the whole pandemic. So I don't have too much new. I got to tell you, I thought host was really fucking good. Which one? Host. Host. Rob Savage. uh, It was a team out of London who shot it during the pandemic with just a bunch of people in lockdown with what they had. And it was the film that got me off my ass and making film again, you know, cause it was pretty rough to have puppet killer, like on this trajectory and then just have it shut down completely. And, you know, we were at that time going to get theatrical and that didn't happen. And I just kind of was like, Oh, I spent five years doing this. And then I felt like I couldn't create in the pandemic. And then host came out and I was like, no, you're the only one limiting yourself. You've just got to think outside the box. You've got to be creative. And that's what inspired me to start uh, working again. And that's what led to us doing, which is midnight actually. Oh, well, that's, that's very cool. And um, I saw there's also a contest for, uh, for puppet killer. I'm not going to lie. I know nothing about it. Okay. Uh, that was our distributor. <laughs> and cool. Uh, yeah. I, I don't, I have no idea. I know. I, uh, I think I uh, the gist of it is you film yourself doing a scene and they have a, a list of scenes and then you, you uh, send it in and, and someone wins stuff, stuff. I like the idea that someone can win 10 grand. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm supportive of that. That's yeah. I, I wish I could say anything in any capacity, but I literally know nothing. So. <laughs> well, fair enough. I'll, I'll share the yeah. link though for people. Perfect. Who, Great. Yeah. Who want to try to win 10 grand. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll you can try. <laughs> I was going to say, I could use 10 grand. <laughs> It would help the next movie. <laughs> be like, wow, that, that person really made a really uh, a very similar puppet to Simon. I think right, that, I'll put Simon in it and my dog. We got this. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we'll cut this part out so no one knows. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait, we're live. Crap. Oh yeah. Uh, oh. Uh, <laughs> Tristan, you have another question? Can you talk a little more in depth about what inspired the story for Puppet Killer? Basically. It was that I had been, I had spent 10 years producing other people's content or being a casting director or being an actor. And I loved all of those things, but I wanted to make something for me, something that just was like, okay, well now it's your turn. After 10 years of doing that, if you could make anything you wanted. Uh, And it really just came from me thinking about what I love. And I love horror. I love over the top blood. I love eighties horror and it happened so quick. It happened in one night. I went home from set and I just, it started as a, as a short, it was a short just for me, self-indulgent short. I didn't think I'd ever get to make it a feature. And I was like, you know, we'll just, we'll just, there was definitely gremlins in it where Simon kind of got wet after midnight and obviously it evolved (laughs) very different things, but yeah, it was just a very self-indulgent thing for me to go like, let's, I just want to make a movie for me. And that's exactly what we did. We made a movie for horror fans because yeah. we're horror fans. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's you know references to movies throughout it, but I even think the whole like last uh, act of it is kind of my favorite part of all the Friday the Thirteenth movies when they're just kind of going around and, and finding all the bodies everywhere. 
Thank you. I was very proud of that one. <laughs> uh, it's funny because I always had an image at the end that we were going to do a slow push on each body. That was just, that was it. That was in the shot list. That's what we were going to do. I always had that visual. I didn't know necessarily where we were going to drop it in the edit at the end, but we were going to do that. And then one of the kills, and none of them were comfortable for my actors, I have to say, because snow and puppets and all the things. And for whatever reason, we didn't get one. And so one of our actors had to go back and die again just for my little silent, slow push. But I was like, it's really important to me. I promise. Like, it's really important. So, yeah. Yeah, that works. So um, where, where can people, um, I know it's going to be playing Tuesday for, at Regal, but where can people see it um, you know, after that? What a great question. Uh, I also don't know. Okay. Uh, and I hope people understand that about distribution and smaller films, because uh, I just found out we were getting theatrical a few weeks ago. I mean, don't get me wrong. Things have been in talks, and but yeah. COVID and things. So um, I would imagine that as soon as our distributor is able to tell us more, um, I'm really hoping we get Canadian theatrical uh, and then obviously DVD or on demand or I don't know, but we will share it on our social media as soon as we know. Um, and we don't know. <laughs> well, where is the social media? Is it puppet killer or? Yeah, it's puppet killer movie on Instagram. It's puppet killer on Facebook. I know we have a Twitter. We don't use it. I'm not amazing at social media, but I am trying specifically for the film to be a bit more involved. Yeah. Yeah. I don't use Twitter a lot either. I know I should because that's what the kids are. Well, I had it years ago and I found it a very toxic area to be in. And so I deleted it. And then my producers yelled at me so bad and they were like, you lost all your followers. And I was like, Meh. Um, but I did start it up again when we started the festival circuit and I found it to be quite a positive space, but I'm barely on it. So I like jump in and jump out like once a week for five minutes. So it doesn't really have the chance to be negative so far. Right. Right. Or my space or a friendster. Or- oh, let's get back to my space people. Come on. I've tried to log in because I looked one day and the it's still there, but I couldn't even figure my, out how to log into my, the my space. Is, my yeah. MySpace is still there. Does it does it still have music? Remember we still get music. Yeah, you had to it? learn like HTML code to be able to to post things. Yeah. I remember yeah. making all these like elaborate things to put on my MySpace, you, and now. Well, and you- you could like personalize your page so it had like yeah. glitter or skulls or whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Facebook, but like step up. Yeah, for the for without your head, I made like all these comic book things for all the guests, and now right. it's you know it's just out there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I do believe mine is out there somewhere. I wouldn't know how to get it. Yeah, I, I honestly couldn't even figure out the the site. It was very hard to navigate, but it, it's it's out there. I couldn't even figure out how to sign in, but um, not to be a downer, but uh, at the end of Puppet Killer, it has in loving memory of Farron Adriel Dyke and dedicated to Donald Holiday and, and Mr. Vint. And I don't know if you would like to uh, talk about them and why they're, you know, why they're included. Sure. Uh, and I think we've since changed it to add Ryan because he wasn't okay. gone when we first started the festival circuit. Um So it's dedicated to Mr. Vint. Uh, When I went to high school, all I wanted to do was make movies. And I was different. Oh, weird. We all are. I think all of us in our community. But um, Mr. Vint was my drama teacher. And he was like the only one that really believed in me. He did film. He was an actor. And I just really connected with him. And and he really kept me going. Um, 
through some not great times. High school wasn't great for me. And uh, he unfortunately passed away and this was dedicated to him. And also uh, a real fuck you to my high school. Uh, Maybe not my high school, but some of the humans I went with uh, who told me I could never succeed or that I couldn't do the things that I did. Uh, I actually rented out the high school and shot Puppet Killer there and was like, I shot it outside the drama room used our cafeteria and that was like a little bit of a nice little circle moment for me of like tell me i can't make movies i'll fucking rent your space and make my movie in it <laughs> uh, and donald holiday is my grandfather and he was uh, a writer and he made films and or attempted to make film in hollywood and when i was 18 i moved to his house in mexico he was from canada and my father's mexican my grandfather on my other side also lived in mexico so i'm very much um, sort of identify as Mexican and he lived in Mexico and I went and wrote my first screenplay on his old typewriter with him uh, back in 98 and he just, just influenced me and he was understood but to him my dreams weren't crazy um, and unfortunately he didn't live in time for him to see me really succeed in the film industry but that was it and then all of us in the puppet killer crew all of us have been friends forever. Most of us and Farron I actually went to full-time acting school with, he was, he was there at the beginning with me when I started chasing my dreams and he unfortunately passed away from mental illness and took his life um, about two weeks before our cast and crew screening. And that hit all of us really hard. Oof, feeling it right now. Uh, and so I just wanted to make sure that he was there that he was with us and a reminder too that mental illness is so real and to consistently talk and it's a good reminder for me all of us to to stay educated stay on top of it stay communicating what we're struggling with and and trying to be there for others that are struggling so i'm you know sorry to bring it up but you know no it's, it. that's why i put it there too right was to have the conversations to not just love them and leave them but to so thank you i appreciate you asking yeah definitely so um um i'd love to see in the theater because uh, i love watching it i'm a big fan of the movie too but there's no better experience than watching a movie in the theater especially a horror movie or a comedy or a combination of the two because you have the interaction with the audience agreed agreed so oh, yeah. people out there look it up and if and if yeah. you if if you're in the area, go and, and watch it. I, I'm it. surprised at how many places in the states it's playing. Um, I don't have the list in front of me, but it is playing at a lot of places. So hopefully, uh, people can get out and catch it. And also, yes. just supporting small film. Like if you support indie film, there's absolutely yes. no other way that you can do it more than purchasing a ticket in a theater for an indie film because the theaters need to know that we can make a difference. The theaters need to know that there's an audience out there. So um, yeah, that would be the biggest one for me. It would just be not, I, I don't think us filmmakers are going to see a penny from this theatrical. So it's not about asking for people's money. It's asking for that. Cause then more people, like you said, they're going to play these movies more often. Uh, exactly. That that always annoys me when I see people online will complain, you know, oh, there's all these Marvel movies coming out and, you know, I get all that and stuff. But I go to the movies every week and there's all kinds of other movies playing. It's not just two Marvel movies in the theater, but you have to go out and see them. There's been times I go to see a movie and I'm the only person in the theater. Uh, so obviously they're not going to show it very long or show more movies like that. So go out there, you know, and support it. Don't just, you know, complain on, on the Internet about it. Exactly. Exactly. And that's just it. We've got to we've got to sort of create change with our action. Right. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of a lot of cool movies out there. You just gotta go see. Yeah. Them. 
Yeah, I just went and saw Candyman twice. I oh, like, I, yeah. I did as well. I went to see it, then I went to see it with with my mom because my, nice. my mom's favorites. Nice. Yeah, that Very one was. Nice. I was really, really enjoyed that one. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. I was very uh, pleasantly surprised. I was looking forward to it, but then I was hoping it wouldn't let me down. Uh, yeah. Well, that's just it. And I mean, yeah, I went to support Nia DaCosta, like hands down. It could have been the worst film in the world. And I was going to support female filmmakers, women of color, all the things. I thought it was really good. And visually, <laughs> mm-hmm. she made some great camera choices. Um, I don't want to give anything away, but there's a, there's a shot where you're looking at like a bit of a skyscraper in Chicago through the window. And I was like, stop, it was great. Like, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed what she did. I I'm very excited to see what she did. It was fun. See, I even enjoyed, I liked it better. You know, the second time I saw it, uh, cause I picked up on a few things and yeah. like, like yeah. I said, I don't want to give things away. But there's a kill. that's very cool. It, it actually uh, goes back to an earlier scene where there's a brush that goes across, uh, the canvas and then they kind of do the same thing with the person but it's it's the same shot and i thought that was very cool i missed that that's fantastic yeah i saw it, me and my sound designer rob go to the movies as much as possible about once a week but i brought kevin mosley the writer of puppet killer he hadn't been to the theater and in, in, since covid and i was like no we're going for a date uh and then all of us are going to go to the movies tomorrow and see shang chi because a let's represent with you know, I'm about ethnic diversity, so I'd love to go support that. And we can't go see our own movie because uh, <laughs> we're in Canada. So we're like, we're going to go support another movie. And I know Marvel probably doesn't need our support, but I do think. I like um, a lot of movies. That's why, yeah. Well, and also leads that aren't white. You know, right, right. I think ethnic diversity is really impressive and really important. And, and they, almost not- the whole cast. Yeah, uh, well, I went to see that with my our mom, too. Me and my brother right. went to see it with her mom. Nice. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's important for me to not just, everyone follows me on social media. I'm loud, but I want to be loud with my actions. So if there's a, is a strong female lead, if there's a, as a woman of color or a woman director or an ethnic lead, like that's really important for me to put my money where my mouth is and go contribute to the box office. So all of us are going to go support that. Um, Candyman's not in the theater. We would have probably picked, picked Candyman. Yeah, I think it might still be playing here, but but I, you can't oh, get we, to, to Canada. We got pulled because it's on VOD now, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. it is. That is weird that uh, a lot of a lot of movies get released the same exact time. I I, I get it earlier, but I think it's probably it's not a smart idea right now. It's it's interesting. I know. I mean, the windows are getting smaller and smaller. And yeah, we went and saw Candyman last Wednesday, and I believe it opened on VOD on. Friday. So it was in the theater for two weeks, which is great. She got number one at the box office, love it all. And then instantly it's on VOD. And I'm like, even if they'd extend that window by a month, I feel like some of these VOD people might've actually gone to the. Yeah. Well, Um, I know the sequel or the prequel to the the Sopranos, um, all saints of, uh, I forget the name of it, but anyway, it's released in the same day. And and I know that the director wasn't happy about that, which I, I, I don't think I would be either. No, I would. Yeah, I'd be pretty gutted. I mean, so many of us make film for theater, for the theater experience. And while I never expected theatrical release because of the size of our film, I always knew that our aim was to play it in film festivals. So we still, you know, there's something about that 5.1 mix and the time that your sound designer and your director and your team put in where the sounds come from, specifically from different speakers to create a feeling in the music. And 
there's just a different experience you get in a theater. And that's where everyone from the PAs to the script supervisors, that's the world they all worked to create. Yeah. And that's so, something people you, you always talk about the big screen, which I like too, but it is, you feel the sound when you're in the theater. And I, well, the first time I went to see Candyman, I saw it on the Dolby uh, screen, the screen, which I think is the best. That's even better than IMAX because you really feel the sound in, in the Dolby theater. Yeah. And all of the placements. And now they're, I think they're moving to 7.1, which is insane, but just, you know, every single speaker placement was chosen and talked about, and it's there to make you feel. And a lot of the times you're not going to notice it, but that's because we're doing our job. Right. And that's, that's just it. That's, that's what everyone went to create was something different than the sitting on the couch experience. So right. Um, I think it's great that people want to watch films at home and I sure consumed yeah, a yeah, lot yeah, during yeah. COVID, but man, as soon as it felt safe for me to go back to the theater, I was there. Oh, yeah, I, I, I go pretty much every week. Yeah. It's fun. It. Yeah. So yeah. do we, it's something very special for sure. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Halloween's coming up. So do you have any Halloween plans? Plans? Yeah. Uh, uh, no. Uh, it's <laughs> funny. I was talking to a friend of mine last night and he was sending me photos of his house all done up for Halloween. And I was like, um, my house is covered in skulls. <laughs> all the time. Right. Right. Yeah. So I was like, I don't really do Halloween. Uh, no, I think I forget that we're like the, that COVID's over and that Halloween will happen. Uh, yeah. No, I, uh, no. It's <laughs> a really long way of saying like, <laughs> I think I forgot. Well, Andrew, if you just said no, that's kind of a boring answer. At least we, you know, get more than that. <laughs> I really, hopefully we're going to get some haunts back here, um, which I would love. I'm obsessed with all of that stuff. And that's usually what we do is we go to Fright Nights out here. Um, so, so hopefully something like that. Yeah. I know pre-COVID, Trista was a big haunt uh, fan. Okay. I, I, I go to LA all the time for work. And I have never been to one of the, any of the big Halloween things. I haven't either in LA. In LA. And I, I'm like, wait a minute, I got to go. So I obviously, I just actually canceled a trip to LA that I was supposed to go in two weeks for work. Uh, and so now I think it's going to be next year, but next year I'm going to go and do them all. Like just, oh, they look so good. I love getting the crap scared out of me. <laughs> well, Trista can give you some of the suggestions probably. Perfect. <laughs> Did you watch Hellfest? Because that was like a perfect combination of like everything I love plus horror movies and plus that would suck. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would suck. Yeah. Perfect idea because you wouldn't respond. Uh -huh. You would be like, wow, that's really well done. Uh, if you haven't seen it, Hellfest is a film where uh, they the, the killer is in like uh, a haunted haunt, like a little, and, and he's stalking people, but they're like, that's great. What a good actor. And he's <laughs> killing people. And yeah, that's great. I was kidding. Yeah. It reminded me of one, a convention I was at once and we were sitting outside and um, I forget who it was. Someone who played uh, Leatherface, I think. And he was just saying that like all the, you know, everyone was walking in dressed as Jason and stuff. And he just said, man, this would be a perfect, someone could just come in with a real machete and start kill. And he started yeah. laughing. I was thinking, yeah, they could, but I don't know if I should be laughing about that. Right. Well, I think I think at some point they've started doing weapons checks at cons yeah. now, which I'm uh, like, I'm cool with not, that. Someone actually did hit someone with a real machete because they didn't know it was real because they brought it in from the sign or something. I think I think it was King. I I shouldn't say who it was, but and and they hit uh, somebody. You know, it was an accident because they thought it was a, a fake one. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. They, they do the checks at everything now. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm a big fan of conventions and I'm a big fan of weapons checks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah well, that, that's a good message. That's a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so puppet killer, I'm glad this finally happened. It's going to be yeah. it's going to be hap- uh, for a couple of years now. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just so nice to talk to you. Me and you have talked well. about talking for yeah. so long. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, the first uh, time we've actually spoken. We've talked. I know. Yeah. I know. So this is so great, too. So thank you. Yes. And this this will forever be known as the Simon hat for now. I love it. That's I don't know exactly why I even have it, but it's perfect for today. Don't question it. Just if Simon finds out about it, he might try and take it. But yeah. that's between you guys. All right. Fair enough. This has been very fun. Thank you. Yeah, it's been wonderful. Yeah. And we will do it again next. Uh, For sure. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be sooner than this last t- time. It's like two or three. Okay, but I, I want you in this stunning shirt every time. All right. Talk. I will keep it. I will keep it. this shirt. All right. It is a very cool shirt. I should wear more often. I love it. Right. It was so nice meeting you as well, Trista. Thank you so much for your time. Congratulations. I love the film. I'm a huge fan. Thank you. I love the skull in your background, too. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it is very cute. All right, very good. We'll talk to everyone soon. Bye. Thanks, guys. And thanks for watching, everybody. From ancient terrors to the search for modern-day conspiracies, the tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. we should have listened. The tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming at night! Mostly! 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 Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The tomb of Nick Cage. Oh,